1: Falcoholic Podcast listeners, welcome to another episode of the Falcoholic Live, now available in audio-only format. Before we get to the show, just want to remind you that you can catch the Falcoholic Live live on YouTube at 8, 10 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday nights, and if you're interested, we also have a post-game show that goes live right after the games on Sunday or whatever day it happens to be played. So we hope you enjoy this episode, and we hope to see you on YouTube if you're available. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode 124 of the Falcoholic Live. Thank you for your patience. Uh, Google was, you know, they were trying to get us tonight, but we were too clever. We, We got around there. You know, insidious plans to to muzzle our show, and uh, we are here using Google's new platform, which I think is called Google Meet, so uh, it seems to be working fine. I guess we'll see how that goes throughout the show. Uh, So with me tonight to talk about a variety of Falcons topics are, first off, Adnan Ikic. He's at Say Which Way on Twitter. Adnan, how are you doing tonight?
2: Uh, I'm doing well, much better than I was on Sunday, because I realized that football is dumb and you know what we can just we can just enjoy the nice november november days in georgia without uh without worrying about it too much
1: yeah yeah it sounds pretty good sounds good to me uh you know emotional detachment is healthy for this falcons team in my opinion so that's where we are now uh all right also with us tonight eric robinson he's on twitter at underscore where eric underscore robinson eric how are you doing this fine evening
0: I'm doing okay man I'm doing okay yeah, yeah the coming up yeah yeah football
1: a little bit yeah not quite as much football we'll talk about that uh, but uh, yeah it's uh gonna have some nice football tomorrow hopefully you guys can stay safe and also have a chance to uh, eat, eat that turkey or ham or whatever your preferred turkey. you know thing. Well, I'm a ham person myself. We'll have to get some Thanksgiving food takes in here at some point, because this is the, you know, pre-Thanksgiving show. Uh, But yeah, I'm a turkey, uh, excuse me, I'm a ham, I'm a ham guy myself. Uh, You know, I like that smoked ham, that's my thing. But you know, to each their own. Uh, I I think turkeys, I've had smoked turkey, that was like really good. Disgusting. Disgusting. Smoked Uh, uh, smoked turkey was good, but regular uh, turkey's uh, bad.
2: I like turkey as long as it's not Matt Chambers' pink turkey that he was broadcasting <laughs> on Twitter a few years ago.
1: That's medium rare turkey, bro. Don't eat that. Don't eat that. <laughs>
2: yeah, it, it, it's like you put a knife into it and you just hear the cluck.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not great. It's either that and then the other extreme would be like, you know, the Christmas vacation turkey where he like touches it with the knife and it just like falls apart and it's like just so dry. There's like a giant chasm in the middle of the turkey. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So you don't want that either. So ne- neither one of those extremes. Uh, but we're going to get into a lot of Falcon stuff tonight, guys. Uh, you know, with the team falling to the Saints, obviously not ideal. Uh, they have now fallen to 3-7, which means that all of that, you know, positive, maybe they can make the playoffs in some, you know, alternate universe talk has come to an end. Uh, they would have to win out to even have a chance. And 9-7, and seven, honestly, might not be good enough in this NFC because there are a lot of teams with winning records right now. Not all of them will finish with winning records, but at the current trajectory, like nine and seven might not be enough, and that means the Falcons would have to win out. Uh, and the rest of the schedule is pretty brutal. We're going to talk about that, but um, I think the best thing to do would be to be pleasantly surprised if they pull off a miracle. But otherwise, don't think, don't think postseason. Think it's time to. The question of the show is, you know, is it time for the Falcons to focus on twenty twenty one? And the answer is yes. Uh, but we're going to get to that more later in the show. Also going to yeah. talk. Well, it was a long time ago, Eric. But like you know, we have yeah. to accommodate the fans that you know they they were hopeful for the team. You know, I, I you know that unbridled yeah. optimism that you get when you don't cover this team on a daily basis for like six years. You know, we, we always know they will disappoint us. But maybe some people I aren't thought, there yet. I thought
0: it after Dallas. Yeah, that's when I was like, all right, on the week, two.
1: <laughs> week two, week <laughs> two, I'm out. Week two, we're done. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Well, in hindsight, you're correct, but you know, not for the right reasons.
2: <laughs>
1: Just for depression's sake. But uh, yeah, guys, we're going to talk about the Saints game a little bit. Um, we're going to talk about the Raiders game coming up, uh, and we're going to do some draft takes. We're going to do some off-season talk. We're going to take your questions. We're going to get into all that good stuff. So uh, thank you guys again for your patience. But let's let's kick things off with a little bit of talk about this Saints game. Um Obviously, it was pretty terrible. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know if either of you guys had some additional takes, you know, if you had a chance to rewatch the game or anything like that. I couldn't bring myself to do it. But, um, you know, anything that you noticed that you, we didn't get a chance to talk about on the post-game show?
0: Um, I tried to to push myself to watching the um, the ultimate game. But um yeah. This team, this team is I I I don't I'm very of course I'm discouraged about this team, but you know the thing is this is a team that always, you know, they just they can't they can't over, overcome the obvious when it comes to them, man. Like, we we just know that they, you know, they're not the toughest team in the league. Um, we just know that the coaching staff is, you know, constantly out-coaching most games, but they just, they're still stagnant. Even when they find a little bit of success, they still find some way to take a couple steps back, back. And it's just, it's discouraging, man. It really is. It's, it's to the point to where it's like you're watching the game just knowing, like, okay, they're going to, how are they going to, fuck up this week. It is
1: just <laughs> sad, very sad. also welcome. Welcome Keenan. Uh welcome Keenan Forney. How are you? How are you doing, too, man? <laughs> oh, man, that's
3: funny, man. I had to put my mouth over my hand. I had to put my hand over my mouth, man. That was so funny. I'm good. What's up, y'all?
1: What's up, man? Uh also man. want to shout out uh George costanza I think of we're just going to call him our benefactor at this point. Uh for the $3 donation, brother, thank you so much for your support. Uh, he says it became time to focus on 2021. The moment they decided to retain Dan Quinn for 2020. No hyperbole. Oh, Jerry Glanville may have gotten more out of this team than DQ. Oh, uh, as we all know, if you want to find a Hall of Famer, just look in Glanville's <laughs> discard pile. Wait a minute. <laughs>
0: so he he on 2021 20, during the off <laughs> Yeah, I mean <laughs>
1: like that's, that's what record. we were saying, right? I mean. Yeah, I mean, we were like, oh, yeah. I mean, we were basically saying it was a mistake to bring Queen back. But, yeah, I mean, I don't think we had fully given up on the 2020 season, you know, quite that yeah, early. But. Not necessarily.
0: Yeah, well, yeah.
2: we were optimistic in that Seattle game. That first drive against Seattle was great. Oh, and yeah. It was, it was magical. There.
1: It was magical. <laughs> yeah, that seems to be the story of, of our life with this team. But, uh, yeah, you know, we had a lot of... A lot of time to talk about that Saints game on Sunday's show. I didn't know if uh, you had some takes you want to get off about that uh, debacle that we witnessed on Sunday.
3: Uh, yeah, real quick. Taylor two halves. It started off, eh, yeah, okay, in the first half. And then that second half, that's when the Saints were just like, let's stop playing with it. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Got our well, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was, like, the first half, it was like, okay, this isn't, like, awful, but, like, you know, you feel like you should have been – pouring it on, you know, a team that's that's starting their backup quarterback and, you know, your offense should be playing better. Um, Shout-out to Quincy Barnhill, by the way, for the subscription. Thank you, brother. We appreciate you. Um, it it was just—it felt like everything— and this, this tends to happen for Dirk Cutter's offenses when they go up against, you know, defenses that are not bad. Uh, it seems like everything is extremely hard. Like, every single— Third down conversion is a is a chore. Every single drive is one play away from ending. You know, Matt Ryan's frazzled because he's got pressure cone from everywhere. Like, it, it was just... I don't know what the game plan was, but they were totally unprepared for the Saints blitzes. Like, I, I there were no hot reads built in for Matt Ryan. He just, like, he, he just had to go through his progressions. Like, it was like, alright, I gotta go through my reads, and like, I'm in the pocket, so... You know, I guess I'm going to get sacked now. Like, you know, I know, like, obviously Matt Ryan didn't have the best day. I mean, he missed some throws, but, like, you got to give that man a hot read. Like, I don't understand. Like, we know the Saints are going to blitz. They do this all the time. Like, I don't know why there's no hot read. Like, I just don't get it.
3: Yeah. And with uh, the Saints guys up front, man, they should have, you know, I don't know. It, it's, it's actually hard, too, because they got a bunch of good guys up front. What they get, like, eight, nine sacks on us yeah. today. Mm-hmm. I mean, Yeah, you got to get some quick throws out, you know what I mean? So he ain't just standing there waiting, waiting, pow, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. Playing against front four like that, bro, you got to change up some of your looks and, you know, max protect a little bit, leave a couple tight ends in there, you know what I'm saying? Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, These are rookie offensive coordinator mistakes. Not long-time offensive coordinator, former head coach mistakes.
2: Yeah, but guys, it's not like he dirt cut her out an extra week to prepare or anything. Like, it's not like we had a bye week the
1: week before. <laughs> right, yeah. It's not like, you know, we had all this time or anything, yeah. I mean, that, in some ways, that's an even bigger indictment, right? It's like we had—this is, you know, one of the biggest games, arguably the biggest game of the season, you know, going into the Saints' house. Last year, this team got up for this game. Like, this was their best game of the season. You know, they showed up to the Saints. They beat—you know, they beat their asses that game. Um, and it was it was nice to see. It was one of the high points of that whole year. Uh, so, to see this team have all this extra time to prepare— uh, you know, all this emotion going into this game, and then to come out so flat, I mean, that's a big issue. Like, um, you know, I don't know how you come out this flat against your rival. Like, I just don't you had, get it.
0: You had a decent game plan last year. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, and it worked. He played ball control, he ran the football, didn't really take deep shots, focused on the short intermediate area, and they won the game. Why did he just lose the tape from that? You know, like, I don't get it. I just... We completely forgot what worked last year. Like, I just, I look, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm I'm not a, you know, former NFL player like Keenan. I'm not a former, you know, NFL coach. I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I don't know 100% about football. There's still some things I need to learn to this day about the sport itself. And I've been watching it for all my life. But this is one of the times where I honestly believe I'm smarter than a coach on a sideline. I think I can learn the offense of better.
1: Like, yeah, I mean it, it, yeah, I I honestly like I don't get it. Like you know, and like I, I did a deep dive on like you know the, the statistical problems with Cutters' offense. Y'all should check out on the like that went up last week. But like there's there's just the, the issues with the offense. Like it's it's like some of it's simple, but some of it's like it it, it it's stuff that is systemic. Like, I don't understand the route trees. Like, I don't consider myself a passing game expert. I honestly consider my, like, quarterback play in general and, like, advanced passing concepts and that sort of offensive stuff is really not my thing. I'm more of, like, a defensive-minded person. But, like, even I know, like, there are basic passing concepts that get explained to people, like, like when you if you boot up Madden, like, you get explained the basic concepts, like, sale and, you know, uh, like, levels and, like, these basic ideas about how to read, like, these, these basic concepts that make the field easier to read for your quarterback. There are route combinations that, you know, make sense, that complement each other, that, you know, help not only show the coverage, but also, you know, help your quarterback get a favorable matchup, you know, with your guy. And, like, I just don't understand what we're seeing in terms of these route combinations. Like, I mean, there was that one third down that's been really, you know, it's been publicized a lot that was like three 10-yard curls on third and three. Like, why are you running? It doesn't make any sense. Like, there's no... I just don't when get you don't it. We don't have like, that
3: much damn time
1: to throw it either. <laughs> <laughs> no. Like, you don't need 10 yards on third down. You need three. Like, run a damn slant. Like, every team in the NFL uses slants. Like, run a damn slant with Julio Jones. It's unstoppable. Like, especially on that play, both of their linebackers were in blitz position. So, it's like, they they can't possibly get enough depth to cover the slant if they're in blitz yeah, position. They can't. Like
0: you can, Or you can you can get Hayden Hurst to run a shallow route, you know, but with, with the linebackers showing blitz. And the thing is with the Saints defense – They show their hand. Mm -hmm. That is the one thing I've noticed about the Saints defense for a while. As long as Dennis Allen has been in place, they show their hand. They don't really disguise much. They don't cover things up. They literally tell you we're blitzing from this angle through this gap. This is what we're doing. How do you not adjust? How do you not give your longtime veteran quarterback, give him two plays? I don't get it. If they show this look, we're going to resort to this. If we get we get Malcolm, Jen- Malcolm Jenkins blitzing from a slot. I'm gonna get me, and it's third and three. I'm gonna go to a hot route. Let me get Gage on a quick out just to get the ball in his hands. Like it's just, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, You're, he's yeah. Trying, trying to implement that vertical concept, which is what is the bread and butter of his scheme. But it's literally almost as if like the guy doesn't know anything else besides that. Like, right.
1: Just, yeah. It's just weird. It is weird. And George, I do see your other donation. Uh, that is a, a topic we're gonna get to a little bit later in the show. So I promise you, we will read off and answer that specific question when the time comes. I promise you that, brother. Don't worry about it. Um, so, uh, yeah. I mean, I agree with you. Like, I, I just don't understand. Like, to me, there there's so many like issues with the scheme itself. Like, we've been talking about like, okay, like these route combinations don't make sense. Like, those are things you can fix. Like, you can just like you can just call some better plays like you can change you can you can rework your plays like I don't know you know I you know there's I think the biggest issue for me with Cutter's scheme is that like fundamentally it's a scheme that's designed to get to third and short um and that is a philosophy that is it's not modern it's not the way that things are in today's NFL, um, you know, we've seen statistically that the best strategy is to go for first downs on every single down and not try to play for third and short. Um, and it ends up, you know, with this weird statistical spread the Falcons have, which is they're great on first down. You know, they have they average like eight or nine yards per attempt on first down on second down. They average like four, like four or five yards per attempt. Because they just throw short. It's not like the offense suddenly sucks on second down. It's that they throw short on purpose to try to get to third and short, and, and they run. <laughs> you know, they run on second and long a lot because when you're when you're aggressive on first down, you're gonna have second and long a lot. Like that's just that's just how it works. It, it, it,
2: it feels like Carter is on this crusade against analytics. Like he's trying <laughs> to do everything that's like that, that the analytics people are the saying nerds. like not to do. Yeah, he's like, oh, I'll, I'll show those nerds. Like you know. And we're seeing the results of it. And just touching on the point of the very long, uh, long developing pass plays, the Saints are not only blitzing, but they have two really stud defensive linemen and Cam Jordan and Trey Hendrickson, who now leads the league in sacks after, after Sunday's performance. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're, you, you think it will be obvious to, you know, adapt to the scheme and to, you know, get the ball out quickly out of Matt Ryan's hands in that game. Uh, but instead, Dirk Cutter just never adapts to defenses. Like we saw what Sha- what Sean Payton did for the Saints in this game. Like I think they said, nine or ten out of like Taysom Hill's passes all came off play action, mm-hmm. and Sean Payton never really ran play action with Drew Brees. Not not really to that degree, but he knew that that's something that plays to Taysom Hill's strengths. And he kept he kept dialing it up, and Taysom Hill was like nine for ten on on play yeah, actions yeah. in that game. He was moving around all the play, all over the place. He also moved the pocket for him too.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the difference. Like that's the difference in this game. Sean Payton, for as much as we dislike him, and you know Sean Payton off the field, like he he doesn't seem like you know that great of a guy, but he's a brilliant coach. Like we've seen it, he's terrorized the Falcons over the past what decade and a half yeah and it, it's just like you see the the adaptations you see why he's still a coach 15 years later because he's playing to his players strengths uh, whereas someone like Dirk cutter it's like all right it's my way or the highway like you know we're, we're doing it this way this stuff that worked for me like what nine years ago eight years ago and I'm not going to change it at all. And, you know, it's just Dirk Cutter doesn't feel like he has a place in the NFL as an offensive coordinator. Not just in Atlanta, but, you know, what NFL team is, is like, all right, we, we want Dirk Cutter calling plays for us after, after seeing this.
1: Yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Eric. I don't know why anybody asked that question at the last year. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Like, he's and like i guess i don't know for sure but like you have to think it's because of his relationships like this is not this is not a league that's bold like this is not a league that's into trying a lot of new things like it takes forever for this league to to move on uh and like Look, like, we know Dirk Cutter got the job because of his history here. Like, probably because of his history with Dimitrov. Probably because Quinn, you know, was out of ideas about who to hire after Sark, you know, after he decided to scapegoat and fire Sark. Uh, which was a big mistake, by the way. But, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But, like, <laughs> I mean, like, Cutter keeps getting jobs because he has relationships with these front office people with you know players and coaches around the league like he's a well-known commodity and like his numbers have been good but you know if you if you just look at surface level numbers like in terms of yardage I don't he's never coordinated an offense with the Falcons that was worse than I think like 15th or 16th in yardage like which on paper sounds good right but his score the scoring never keeps up like in 2012 it did Uh, when he had the most talented offense I think I've ever seen, you know, with with Julio, uh, you know, a still very good Roddy White, like still prime Roddy, and Tony Gonzalez, you know, still very, very good tight end, and a really good offensive line, and Matt Ryan, you know, playing almost at his peak. I mean, we saw his true peak in 2016, but, like, almost at his peak. Like, even with that team, the best he could do was seventh in scoring. Like, imagine Kyle Shanahan with that team. Like, That would have, he would have shredded 2016. Like, that 2016 team was not even that talented. Like, they were getting it done with, like, Julio, obviously, but, like, who was, yeah, Muhammad Sanu was the number two, and Sanu's solid, obviously, but, like, Taylor Gabriel, Aldrick Robinson, like, a lot of these guys, like, it's not like they were loaded with talent. Levine Lolo, Jacob Tam at tight end, I mean, like, (laughs) like, it's about the scheme, and, like, I got into it in the article, but, it, you know, and I talked about it before, I'm just gonna, it's just crazy to me. Like, if you take the best season from Shanahan in Atlanta, from Sarkeesian in Atlanta, and even Mike Malarkey, who we all thought was this dinosaur offensive coordinator, and, like, his scheme is older school, but, you know, it is what it is. Like, I think I would take their best seasons over Cutter's best season. Like, I think all of their best seasons were more impressive. Shanahan's, obviously, but, like, Sark's 2018, I think, was more impressive statistically. Uh, based on the injuries and like the fact that he outperformed his yardage total with with his scoring. Um, You know, uh, Malarkey's 2010 offense was crazy strange because they were like 25th in yards per play but 5th in scoring. Like, that's called overperforming your yardage with scoring, and honestly... I think every team would take that over putting up gobs of yards and not get any points. So um, he just, in the red zone, it's just a big, it's a big problem for him. Um, and I think it's because he, he is so vanilla and so lackluster with his route combinations, particularly in the passing game. And look, we all know he's not capable of coordinating a run game. Um, it's just not something he can do. So Like when you can't run the ball in the red zone, I mean, we have Todd Gurley. That's probably the only reason this team has scored as many rushing touchdowns as they have is because Todd Gurley morphs into like a God when he gets within the three, three yards of the end zone. Like he just becomes a superhuman and scores touchdowns when he gets to the goal line. But like, other than that, like that's been their most reliable way of scoring in the red zone is just Gurley forcing his way in. Like the run game outside of that has been bad. Uh, they're they're getting three point seven yards per carry. It's thirtieth in the league, man. Like that, yeah. and this is not like it's not like this is new for for Cutter. Like this is a common thread for him. So I, they brought him in in twenty nineteen with the whole we want to be balanced line. Why the hell would you bring in Dirk Cutter if you want to be balanced? He can't. He's not a run game guy. Like I mean, I, I just none of this makes made sense to me at the time. It certainly doesn't make sense to me now. But like it. It's just wild to me that that we're hamstringing this team with you know a a scheme that is just so uncreative. Like you went from Shanahan, who's like the pinnacle of offensive creati- creativity, to Sark, who honestly was was doing better. I mean, he was certainly earlier along in his career path than like Shanahan was, but like 2018 was a legitimately impressive season. Um, and then you go you go backwards like. Why would, Why do you ever go backwards? Like, I don't know if they were afraid to go after, you know, a, a college guy. You know, they, they didn't, like, Gary Kubiak didn't immediately work out, so I don't know if they just panicked and went to Cutter. I mean, maybe that's the best answer. That's the least damning of the team is if they just panicked and they, they needed to make sure they had somebody at least solid so they went after Cutter. I mean, maybe that's the answer. I, I don't know, but um, it's frustrating.
0: Think, well, we know, and we also saw that, you know, the offensive line didn't have their best day, and, and to be quite honest with you, it pro- collectively it was probably their worst game of the season, but we talked about it on, you know, the post-game show on Sunday, but we kind of wanted to, you know, see what, what Keenan's insight on the offensive line play there and what he saw and what he felt, you know, needed to be fixed, and, and you know, if, was there anything that was going right with what you what you saw on Sunday with the offensive line?
3: uh well i mean you know obviously they gave up what eight nine sacks man you can't be giving up that many <laughs> in the game yeah but at the same time when it gets to a certain number then that's when somebody on the sideline has to be like hey, look here we having trouble blocking one-on-one we need to start leaving an extra tight end or running back or something you know what i mean i know it's gonna cut down on what we can throw out here but uh Matt getting his ass handed to him right now. Yeah. You know, yeah. and there was some different little technical things, you know, guys are getting beat on. And also too, they playing in damn New Orleans, man. It's, you can't hear shit down there. I mean, well, I know they ain't got no crowd in there, but you know, they I'm pretty sure they had some, some kind of music pumping.
1: Mm-hmm. They did. But yeah. They, they still have like the automated stuff.
3: Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean that's yeah, they just, they just didn't play well. They didn't play well. And, you know the, uh, you know the team didn't do a good job of getting them some help. You know, because oh. after about that third, third or fourth sag, I'd have been like, yo, okay, <laughs> we we need to leave in a couple extra people here. Damn, yeah, damn it, damn, damn you know putting an extra receiver out here, or whatever. And I know
0: this was a, it was a pretty solid run defense they were going up
3: against, but I think they averaged what
0: like. Three three 3.2 per carry or something like that yeah the, the Saints are like the, the
1: NFL's like number two run defense so you weren't gonna well, get any ground production against them right
0: I get that but the fact even though and they ran it only a limited amount of times I think Gurley only had eight carries on the game but mm-hmm. even when they did go through it like they couldn't muster anything yeah
1: they weren't even hitting like three I think they, they I think they averaged like 3.7 a carry or something like it was not good so they, they were not mustering anything yeah yeah
2: yeah, there is no threat of the run game. Like, you know, all of those Saints players in the front seven, they just know, they're like, all right, this is going to be a drop back. But,
0: but what was funny to that is the first three plays of the game were what? They were play action. Play action.
2: Yeah, play action.
0: <laughs> The first three or four plays of the game were like play
2: action, I, and they worked. Like, is I, it worked. I mentioned it in the post-game show. It, this is a theme. Every single game, our first eight or nine scripted plays – are fantastic like you know it's play action it's it's slinging it downfield i think one of the first three plays was up the deep shot to calvin ridley yeah and then after that it's like Dirk cutter just goes into goes into all right like enough of that like you know that that, that's working too well and he goes right back into all right right up the middle power power (laughs) power like come on like how like how, how do you not see that this is working
0: yeah if I'm if I'm a defense, I'm not. I'll be quite honest with you, and we know, we all know how Matt Ryan operates out of play action. I mean, he's a he's a pretty efficient guy when it comes to that. But if I'm an opposing defense, I'm not falling for it. They can play action all they want. I don't care because we, <laughs> because if you watch enough tape, you would know that even though they play action, they're threatening. You know, uh, you know they're they're putting out the threat of a run game, but we all know that eventually they're going to resort from it to the point where a play action pass is pointless because you haven't ran the ball in maybe two, two or three drives. Right. So it's like it's, it's, I, there is nothing. There's no there there's there's no there's no element of surprise, honestly, when it comes to the Falcons pulling off play action or anything like that it's more like this yeah
1: i mean that's what it goes to show like there's just no creativity in the offense it's lifeless i mean like we can't even get hot rats like i i don't i didn't think that was like something that teams didn't incorporate into their route trees but like Like, like Keenan said, like Matt Ryan is getting killed back there. So like you, you have to do one of two things. You have to leave people in to protect, or you have to add, you have to add outlets for him. Like you can't just make him go through these progressions when they're sending, you know, multiple blitzers on every goddamn play. I know know
0: they play, you know, Saints is a pretty, they're a pretty athletic defense. Um, So, but this week they're, they're going up against a Raiders defense that is aggressive but when it comes to sideline to sideline speed they can be beat you know they, if you can if you can get them going laterally you can be able to find some plays a little bit here so hopefully i highly doubt it <laughs> cover, But hopefully he'll be able to muster up some looks that says you know what let me just let me run some jet sweeps with cal let me let me run some some bubbles with gates let me just get the ball out of there out of matt's hands let me get the ball to them in a the perimeter and let them do work Logically, that's what I would do. Where? Right?
1: Yeah. I mean, where were like the you know little wheel routes to Ito? You know, when if the Saints are blitzing their linebackers, like why aren't you throwing the ball to your running back? Like you don't you don't have to leave him in the block. Like you can. You can leak them out. Like you can, you can do things with your players. You don't just have to
2: do a cookie cutter. It, like it almost felt like, uh, like Matt Ryan, like mouthed it off to Dirk Cutter in practice this week, and then Dirk Cutter's like, "All right, I'm gonna teach him a lesson. I'm gonna <laughs> keep him in that pocket. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make these terrible, long-lasting routes, and I'm just gonna have him like get killed."
0: This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy here to get you ready for the big tournament.
1: Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void or prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at
2: Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com.
3: Oof. Yeah. I mean, I'm that's... a show your ass. <laughs>
2: So, you know, oh, so uh, all right, Matt. Four verts.
1: Yeah, every play. I mean, no that's protection. honestly what it seemed like. It was like, okay, we know you've taken six sacks, but like we're down ten, so uh, you know, here's some more deep passes. Uh, <laughs> and, like, and, and,
0: you know, well, I I pointed it out during the game too. Now let's let's be quite honest with the number of sacks that they gave up. Matt Ryan
2: was responsible for a couple of. Yes. Yeah, he was responsible for at least like three of them. Yeah, yes. at least like,
0: three of them. There were a couple sacks that I saw him take where he had a read, he had an open receiver, but he, for some odd reason, he stuck to his first or second read. Um, and and again, that's something you don't necessarily expect from a guy who's been in the league for what twelve years. But there were a couple of times where you're like Matt, like you have to get rid of the ball. You yeah. have to do yeah think at least escape the tackle box so you can be able to just ground up something i don't know but he, there were times where you like Dude. at
2: the end of the half when we were on the 36 on that on that third down and that was young way range like young way was hitting it from 50 plus easily yeah yeah there's no excuse for you not to go into the half with the lead or at least to give young way at the very least an opportunity for a 53 54 yarder and he had hit a 53 yarder earlier in the game. And that's one where Matt Ryan held the ball, held it, held it, held it, and then he was sacked. And then they dialed up a Hail Mary with, like, three seconds left.
0: I yeah. think that was the same sack where he missed a read on Blake, who who, who got open on a shallow post. Mm. That might that might have been the play. I know there was at least one sack where he had – where Blake was – he was waiting for someone to get open. Blake finally got open on a post. But he but – when Blake – you know, Blake crossed his face, Matt was stuck to the right side of the field, and it was just, it, it wasn't, he wasn't there. He mentally, yeah. Matt freaking out of that game, too, so.
1: Yeah, um, it was not his finest hour. I mean, it, it wasn't, I mean, but, like, he, he wasn't comfortable. Like, you could see he was trying really hard to, like, go through his progressions, and, like, he just lost track of the pressure sometimes, and it, that's bound to happen. Like, it happens to the, to good, like, I know some people were like, oh, Matt's washed because of this game. Like, no, like, come on, guys, like, every quarterback has bad games. Like, Mahomes has had bad games this year. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> maybe you only watch the Falcons, and so your only exposure to quarterbacking is Matt Ryan. But, like, why don't you watch, like, a Jets game? Why don't you watch, like, a Giants game? Uh, You know, watch some of these games on Thanksgiving with some of these quarterbacks, and then come back to me and tell me how bad Matt Ryan is. Okay, like...
0: <laughs> he did not hit as often as he did, I think he's just very... He are anxious back
1: there. He does. I mean, and it's hard not to get that way. It but. causes him not to make
0: his progressions. It causes him to kind of panic a little bit um, because there are even at times where he's unable to escape the pocket, and, and we know that that's a, that's a solid thing that he's able to do at times.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, like, honestly, like, I know some people are panicking about the offensive line. You know, they see eight sacks, and they're like, oh, this offensive line's terrible. I mean, even some of my, you know, my guys at the Draft Network, you know, on their mock draft show, were like, oh, Falcons might need to consider offensive line. It's not—the offensive line is, like, average in pass protection. Like, this game obviously was really bad, but, like, before this game, they were, like, about average, maybe a little bit better than average in sack rate. Like, that that's where they are, and, like, you know, we'll talk about this when we get to more of the draft-related stuff on this show, but, like— they probably should consider drafting a guard like relatively high to because, you know, I don't think James oh, yeah. Carpenter is gonna be here next year. So like who year thinks
0: that they need to go at the Sewell out of Oregon? I'm like, okay, where are you gonna go?
1: <laughs> right. Like are we moving one of our tackles? Like yeah, no. We're not, we're, not. we're not. First of all, Sewell's not gonna be there. So <laughs> Sewell's going That's top bad. five. So
2: Oh <laughs> uh, well, he may be.
1: Yeah, no. I mean,
2: he may be there given how, uh, given the rest of our schedule.
1: Well, I mean, the Falcons might, you know, get there if they're really bad, but like, yeah, I just, I, the, Sewell's not making it past the Bengals, and I don't think the Bengals are winning any more games, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, that's just that's just where where that's going. But um, yeah, anybody else got any any other takes they want to get in on this Saints game before we move over to preview this Raiders matchup?
2: Uh, ju- just to leave it off on, on a positive note, there were some positives. Youngway Koo was very good. Sterling Hoffrichter was very good. Hoffrichter has been a monster. Like, you know, for a dirt cutter scheme, you need a good punter attached to it. And he's been fantastic this season. And, you know, Julio Jones, like, Julio Jones has nothing to prove. And he went out there, he tweaked his hamstring in the second quarter. And you could tell, like, he he just, like, couldn't go and he still suited up like a warrior in the fourth quarter because the team needed him. The offense needed him. And he converted that clutch fourth down conversion when the Falcons couldn't get anything going. Like, at the end of the day, it ended up being in vain. That's a thing. But, but, man, like, Julio Jones just, like, he, he just put the helmet on and he's like, I'm going to give it a go just because the guys need yeah, me. Even I mean- though, like...
0: Julio was watching from the sideline with a hurt hamstring. They couldn't get anything going. He put the helmet on, got on the field, picked up a third down, and got back
1: off the field. Like, come on, man. I wish it had mattered. Like, honestly, like, I I, I can't say enough nice things about Julio Jones. Like, Like, nobody
2: would have blamed Julio if he had just, like, been like, all right, like, I'm tapping out. My hamstrings hurt, you know, same one I hurt earlier this season. And no, he he's like no, they need me. I'm gonna even in a blowout, even when we were down by like 15. Julio was
1: like, man, come on, man, let me just get this. Like just yeah, he's like, all right, all right. But like honestly, like I feel like Julio Jones, like if it's the Super Bowl or something, that man could have like his his foot missing and he would be out there every snap. Like he would just be like, you know, I don't even care. Like he probably curse some
0: people out as he was walking off. The yeah, field. he would be, he would like come up with some sort of duct tape.
1: Yeah yeah exactly like he'd be he'd be he'd make a foot out of duct tape and just figure out a way to get on the field like I I have no doubt uh
2: yeah and and then beyond that AJ Terrell was solid um yeah like AJ Terrell's been a monster this season Yeah.
1: yeah and like look you're right like there are some things that we've learned you know AJ Terrell I think you know he's the future at corner for this team. They probably need another guy outside of Isaiah Oliver. Like I I think Oliver's days are numbered here. Darkees Denard, he's not been great since coming back from, you know, injury and COVID and all that. Uh, There's still time for him. You know, he was playing well early in the season. So like, there's still time for him to, you know, improve on that. Uh, And, you know, he could very easily be back if, if he's, you know, decent, he might not demand a whole lot. So he could easily be back as like our nickel again. But, um,
2: but man, it was so unlucky. Like I don't know if it would have made a difference at the end of the game, but that huge play. Remember when Denard had that forced fumble yeah. that uh, we recovered on that huge like pass completion of Emmanuel Sanders, mm-hmm. where Keanu Neal made the correct play where he like yeah. y- you know touched him down but and yeah uh, upon further review he was like touchdown but man yeah. that would have been a big big momentum swinger yeah. because we had like we had the lead at that point i think yes
1: yeah and like honestly we should give denard a lot of credit for that play even though it didn't count because like that is the that is what you have to do like there's a big like there's a big completion here you still got to go try to punch that ball out like the play's not over uh, and that mindset is important like you know I, I appreciate that play even though it didn't end up counting um yeah. so i mean we but, we, but we see you but on that same you. play
2: yeah. Yeah. On that same play, you look at the like a uh, replay with, with the little like circles that they like do and like the player <laughs> numbers. And Ricardo, I don't know what Ricardo Allen was doing. That <laughs> like, like, I don't know. Ricardo, it felt like Ricardo Allen just like decided to go to the other side of the field where there was nobody. He yeah. just like took took the scenic route all the yeah. way like around.
0: I honestly, I honestly thought Ricardo was running off the field to go to the locker. How <laughs> far away from the plate he was.
1: Yeah. 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 Um yeah, Nico Yeah, Nico E asking about Marlon Davidson. Uh like we don't really know what's going on with him. Um I mean, the the guy has barely been able to get on the field. Um you know, he hasn't been able to practice much. He missed basically all of training camp with an injury. Then he, you know, got on the COVID list to start the year. Then he was injured again like it it's it's been really rough for him. So like I don't know that we can really say definitively anything about marlon davidson at this yeah, point
0: it, it goes back to the point we made a few weeks ago when it comes to him like you know he's yeah he's, he's been a little bit banged up you know he's he's had some time on the COVID list but again this guy has had maybe what two or three weeks worth of practice yeah. spread out over the off season and yeah. the regular season so it's, it's kind of hard to want to put him out there on the field, and the guy is barely practicing.
2: Yeah, but at the same time, I remember what Keenan said a few weeks ago, like, that's still a second-round pick. Like, you know, you'd think the team would, at the very least, you're 3-7 and seven right, right now. You, it, It's been, like, terrible this season. You, you think the team would like you know put him out there and be like all right like let's let's see what you got
1: right yeah so the only thing i could think of is that he's just not fully conditioned yet like he's not his conditioning isn't back because like you know we don't know how sick he was with covid it, it might have been more significant than we know and in that case he may not have been able to condition so if he had to get his conditioning back right i mean it, it could take a while so like, we will see more of him i think um you know I, I think that they're gonna try to play him as much as he can play um but I just don't think we can really draw any conclusions on his, you know, quality uh, from what we've seen so far. It's just, it's just been a really and unlucky a, season for him.
3: So he's been a he's been a health, he was a healthy scratch, right? The last game, right? He he, he wasn't was he a scratch.
1: Out. He was a scratch for week nine. The Broncos game. Um, he did okay. play in the Saints game. I don't know that he played a lot of snaps, but he was okay. active. Oh, but yeah, he hasn't. I mean, he's only played I think twenty percent of the snaps in the games that he's been active. So it, he's been a very minimal part of the rotation. Uh, so to me, that that might be a conditioning thing. It might be a like pra- like a practice thing. I, I don't know. But
3: man, if you ball and they'll play you in the same.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not a great sign either well, way. Maybe, uh, maybe.
0: I mean, I guess I guess he's not really balling in practice then.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, that's I probably what the answer is. Uh, maybe.
0: It's it's hard it's hard to gauge all that. It is. This is a weird year. I mean, if he got I his
3: mean, helmet on and he's in the game and he's getting some snaps or he's dressed out, then you know what I'm saying. Obviously, they deem you well enough to play. You know what I'm saying. So you got six, you got six snaps. Yes, that's exactly. not a good sign.
1: Not yeah. a good sign. Uh, yeah.
3: So like, we'll they see. They got to get him more than just a couple snaps. They got to yeah. go into a game and be like, hey, we gonna get him – Ten to fifteen good quality snaps, if we can, yeah, you know, yeah. come in there with a pitch count so you can begin to. I'm I'm not going to tell them how to do their job, but grade those snaps. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Is he doing his technique? Is he playing? Doing his assignment? Is he doing extra? Okay. All right. So continue to give it more or take less away depending on how that goes. You know what I'm so saying?
0: He, yeah. He played in a total of four games on the year that he's actually played. Um. And his snap count has decreased from thirty-two to fifteen to twelve to six.
1: Yeah, that's not a great sign. Um, so,
3: man, that is what it is. <laughs> yeah. That's not a great yeah. sign. Um,
2: uh, so, I don't think you can sugarcoat that one uh, too much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm
1: trying. I'm trying my my <laughs> hardest because uh, uh, I really like his tape
2: i really like
3: yeah, I mean I, I hope yeah. the, I hope the young man play. you know gets better but you know you got to call for what it is I mean if you ball it your snaps don't decrease yeah you're yeah like that over yeah
1: and course. like you're there's no way you're not conditioned enough to play like 10 snaps like that right. that's not a conditioning issue at that point that's like uh we think that XYZ players are, are better you um, haven't,
2: yeah. Yeah, we haven't yeah. shown us anything. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm I feel like we could play 10 snaps. Like, we wouldn't be very good. <laughs> I'd get blown team, off the ball, but,
1: but you know, but
2: yeah, I wouldn't be yeah, out of breath. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, I run, so, yeah. like, yeah, I run yeah. like. Yeah.
3: I, know
0: Pini, I know Pini can give us some snaps, man. I know he can give us <laughs> I but,
3: mean, I, I'm yeah. not saying it would be a positive I thing. the other day.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, I could run around out there. I could be a distraction for like five, 10 plays, probably. That's, you know, I'm not saying anything good would come of it, but. (laughs)
0: Yeah, if you know know how to read between the lines when it comes to those snap counts that's
1: that's it's not great so uh we're hoping for the best for him and maybe just a new coaching staff coming in you know uh, with another off season it's only his rookie season some guys just you know quinn and williams his rookie season was super quiet and then he came out you know was balling his second season so um shit happens we'll we'll see but that, that was a great question thank you for that one nico
2: um all well, right. Speaking of questions, uh, let's get to uh, George's one. Oh, yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. George stands another $3. Brother, again, thank you so much for your support. Um, this is about uh, the head coaching vacancy. So George says, I think ATL is the best head coaching vacancy. We have draft capital, a good offense loaded with wide receiver talent, and an owner that is loyal and patient, perhaps even to a fault. George says that Lincoln Riley is his first, second, and third choice. He thinks atlanta is better than the dallas job i I assume you mean houston because i think dallas hasn't fired their coaches yet but you know we'll see but (laughs) i kind of doubt they're gonna fire. but i think i assume you mean houston um and he wants to know our thoughts on i guess lincoln riley and whether we think atlanta is the hottest destination at this point um so what do you guys think about that one
0: Bite my lip on this
1: one. <laughs> I mean, yeah. To me, like Biennemi is my top choice. I really like Arthur Smith too. Um, I mean, I, I don't have a problem with Lincoln Riley. Like, if they went that route, that'd be pretty bold. Um, you know, I I, I, I kind of doubt it, but it could happen. I mean,
2: it, it's it would be way more complicated to get Lincoln Riley than a enemy because you have to uh pay that buyout mm-hmm. that he has at Oklahoma. Yeah, and you, you know he's coming from the college game. I still think that uh, Dimit- the uh, excuse me, Arthur Blank is hesitant on that, even though Petrino happened like 13 years ago. <laughs> like he's gonna have to get over that at some point. Um, but uh, I I think uh, I think it's a consensus. Like you know, Bianny is like the top. It, it, it should be a consensus around the league, in my opinion. That Bianny should be the top head coaching candidate. Like yeah. I have no. I, it it seems like a crime that. He didn't get any jobs last season or yeah. he didn't get any serious interest from anyone last season. But I do think Atlanta's the the hottest head coaching like uh destination. But it also depends on what these head coaches are looking for. Yeah. Like you know, if uh if it's like they want a young stud quarterback, then you have Deshaun Jackson and the Texans, mm-hmm. like right there. But at the same time they owe the Dolphins their draft picks yeah and their so, cap
1: situation is not much better yeah. than atlanta's so
2: yeah I, I think i would personally favor atlanta's just because you know you have the talent you, you even have the defensive talent for as bad as the defense has been there's serious talent on all three phases of this defense like you have grady Jarrett, of course uh you know michael walker is the highest graded um mm-hmm. pff linebacker rookie pff linebacker um A.J. Terrell is the highest graded uh, rookie cornerback. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Foya Luakun, Deion Jones, and then it's not even getting into the offense. You have uh, the two stud uh, offensive linemen, in Lindstrom and McGarry who are only in their second year. You have Jake Matthews as an anchor at left tackle. Um, you know this team is loaded. This team is loaded with talent. It just needs a head coach to unlock it, <laughs> and it's going to look really good. You know, for that head coach to use this talent and to you know make the playoffs with it after the team hasn't been in the playoffs for the last three years
1: yeah yeah you're absolutely right like they're they're just walking into a situation where they could be winning 10 games a year like we say this every single year and we're not wrong like because the team fails doesn't mean we're wrong about the talent like i think a neutral observer, like a guy like Biennemi looking at this roster, like the defense isn't good, but like Kansas City's defense isn't good. Like (laughs) that doesn't stop them from winning, you know, 12 games a year. Like, um, because the offense is good enough to cover up those issues. Like we saw that when Shanahan was here, that that 2016 defense was not good, but it was good enough. (laughs) That's all you need. Um, and they, they've got enough pieces there that with a few, you know, draft picks, they could be good. And, like, the offense is loaded. Like, what are they missing? Like, a running back because Gurley's probably going to be gone? All right. That's not going to be hard to add. That's not going to be hard at all. Um, a, a guard? Uh, a set guard or center, I guess. Like, if you want Hennessy to play center, that's fine. If you want to get a different—if another center is in the draft that you like better, that's fine, too. But, like, y- those two pieces are, like, the only weaknesses. Like, Hayden Hurst is more than fine at tight end. He's just not being used. Um, you know maybe they could they could get another receiver at some point i don't think it needs to be early but like like there's just not very many problems with this offense and like if this team does end up in the top 10 or even in the top five like this is the best of both worlds because you can get your young quarterback and you can still win now like it's not a disaster <laughs> like if you if you go to the jets because you want trevor Lawrence like there's a significant, like you know, Gase went there with Sam Darnold. You know, he got his pick of, you know, his quarterback that he liked. And guess what? That team is a disaster. So, like, you don't have to go to, I'm just going to be honest, a trash franchise to get a young quarterback. Like, you can go to Atlanta and, and do both if you want. Or you could try to win now with Matt Ryan. Or you can do both, you know? It, 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 it really is the situation with ultimate flexibility. And the higher Atlanta's draft pick, the better they're going to look. Because now it's like, oh, I could have... Maybe I could have Fields, or maybe I could have my pick of Wilson or Lance or whatever. Like, um, I do think it's pretty clearly the best vacancy. I don't think it's particularly close unless you just really love Deshaun Watson, and then and then I get it. Like, just, Watson's great. Um, but you know, in terms of the franchise, it's no no contest. Like, the the. Arthur Blank is the owner that every head coach wants. They know he's not going to can them if some some crazy shit happens. Like if they you know blow and go four and twelve in that first year because disaster strikes, they're not getting one and done uh, because that's not how yeah, Blank you'll, operates. After like,
2: three years, <laughs> years you
1: know, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like it. Like this is a franchise coaches want to go to. Um, this is a, a quality franchise. It's not the owner is well respected. Um, you know. They're probably going to have their pick of the GM they want. They're going to be able to, you know, work with someone they really like. Uh, It really just lines up well, so we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, I mean, to me, BNME is my first choice. If they really want to go for that, like, bold hire, I mean, maybe Joe Brady is the one that they go for. I I think he's the more likely choice than Lincoln Riley at this point for the reasons that Adnan pointed out. Um, All
0: right. So how – okay, in – just to, as a rebuttal, with the Joe Brady thing, what makes him a better candidate than Riley? Simply be simply because he only has one year as the OC in in the NFL. Just because I mean,
1: he has NFL experience, that's all.
0: Just one year, though. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah,
2: there...
1: that's
0: all. Yeah,
2: I mean, and you don't have to buy
1: him out and all this other stuff.
2: Yeah, the buyout is like it's pretty. It's a pretty significant buyout. Like I, I know that money isn't i mean it depends on how you view it i think right now it's like
0: 4.9 and the way his contract is set up it diminishes by a million per season until 2023 so i think this offseason his buyout would only be 3.9 million which Arthur Blank Arthur Blank probably has that in a double bag in the back yeah, of
2: but but it's also the opportunity cost of hard right, it's 3.9 million and then like you can't you have to go with Lincoln Riley it's like 3.9 million plus not hiring any of these other guys for Lincoln Riley. Yeah. Right,
1: right. Yeah, it gets, it gets much more interesting if Bienemy is off the table for one reason or another. Like, if he decides that he wants to go to Houston or whatever, like if they miss out on me then it gets much more interesting because then you're asking, you know, of all these other candidates, who do you like best? And to me, it probably would still be Arthur Smith because I just love that Tennessee offense so much. I, I think that's it's so creative. It, it's, it would be perfect for this team. Um, you know, Smith has really shown, like, they run a ton of different concepts. Like he can make it work with a zone. He can make it work with power. You know, he can make it work with all kinds of different wide receivers. Like, I mean, he's making Ryan Tannehill look like a great quarterback. Like, not that Tannehill sucks or anything, but it's just like Tannehill's way better than he should be because of Joe Brady. Oh, not Joe Brady. I, excuse me, Smith.
0: I think given what he has or what the Falcons will have on offense next year, I think Arthur Smith. And his scheme will, it'll fit this, you know, what with, with the circumstances in Atlanta, because you have an older quarterback. You know, you have a, a off- you have an offensive line that's it's getting up there. You know, outside of the right side of the line, it's getting up there in age. So you may not need a scheme that's going to require you to throw the ball forty times a game, yeah, and run, you know, a lot of a ton of no huddle and, and shotgun and four wide receiver sets and stuff like that. So it's it's a scheme that I think. Can work in Atlanta because again you have, you have a quarterback. You got your receiving core. All you really need, honestly, is a stable back. You probably need to tweak the offensive line a little bit because you don't have a lot of power blockers there. Given what you're going to call in the run mm-hmm. game, so it's it's something I, I think it's a scheme that can definitely work in today's game. Um, my my thing is I love Lincoln Riley as a captain. Mm-hmm. I think Lincoln Riley is an excellent play caller. I mean the fact. It, how often do you see a young head coach like him that's actually developed three Heisman yeah, candidates yeah. in three consecutive years? Like, that? that's saying something. He took a guy like Baker Mayfield, who was a yeah. walk-on quarterback in Texas Tech, made him a household name. He took a guy like Jalen Hurts, who transferred from Alabama, made him a, a Heisman candidate. He took a guy like Kyler Murray, who's small, mm-hmm. according to the NFL standards, <laughs> made him a Heisman candidate. He's turning around Spencer Rattler season right now. so. Yeah. I for those that feel like they shouldn't go to right because the last time that happened, you got to get over that, man. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's here's,
3: you know, here's my question for you: Um What if you know Lincoln? You know Lincoln Riley's going to be coming in with a veteran, you know, group of guys in their locker room, right? and they're not going to want to hear that rah rah fight 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 shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> Well, they've, well, they've gotten, they gotten enough with Quinn with the past few years. And somebody might mess around and tell them, yo, going on with that dumb shit. Yeah. Bro. Know, so are they going to blow up, you know what I'm saying, get rid of some of the vets we got and go completely young so those guys will be, you know what I'm saying, streamlined into it?
0: So my answer to that was the same thing was said about Pete Carroll when he made the transition from USC to Seattle. They 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 felt. He wasn't going to be a fit because of his age and his ability as a college head coach to have those college tendencies. What made that work for Pete Carroll was the staff that he surrounded himself with. So I think I think um Lincoln Riley's gonna to have to do the same thing. He's gonna to have to come and he's gonna to, to change the mindset, of course, because he's not dealing with 17, 18, 19-year-olds again. Right. If he can have a strong enough staff around him, if he can have a couple guys that's been former head coaches that's on the staff before, you know, that's, that's on the staff. I think that can help him a little bit. It can help him with that transition. Um, Because we saw that with when Steve Spurrier made that transition from Florida to Washington. And the thing is not only was he just going out of his mind by getting former Florida Gators, he didn't put enough, a strong enough group of guys around him as a, as a staff. And I think that's what ultimately led to his fail, to and led to his failure as well. So yeah. you, you bring up a great question there. Um college head coaches, you know, that, that rah rah shit like that that don't work in the NFL, man. Yeah. You, tell him, you, you tell you tell him to, you can't tell a twenty eight year old to sing a fight song at the end of the game. <laughs> yeah. Dirty, 30 birds
3: <laughs> no, are back. What are you talking about? <laughs> or yeah, or you tell them
1: grown ass men you can't watch, uh, right. you can't watch
3: TV the night before a game and right. we're eating dinner in the cafeteria yeah. or right. whatever.
0: Yeah. But but going looking, using the Pete Pete Carroll example, looking at what Sean McVay did. Again, we go back to the. I go back to Sean McVay because he was what was McVay was what thirty. Two, thirty-three. But to me, even to this day, one of the best hires he made was bringing in Wade Phillips as his defensive coordinator yeah, because yeah. Of Wade Phillips' tenure and it helped him as a head coach. Model. We yeah. could get
1: that with Lincoln Riley. <laughs> Wade yeah, Phillips absolutely.
0: is out there. Yeah, Lincoln have to do that. Yeah,
1: I think he will hey, if he does get the hire.
2: Hey, Vic Fangio could be out there. Oh man, I'd be so down.
1: Horse. I'd be so down. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah, I mean. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I mean, I honestly have no problem whatsoever with Lincoln Riley. Um, you know, last year I think he was at the top of our lists, you know, assuming they were in a clean house. Um, so that, to me, is is very much – I mean, I, if they're interested in going that route, I would not be upset at all um, because he's been a great college coach. Um, we'll just have to see what they end up picking. And, again, I think it's like if enemy wants to come here, it's probably just enemy because he's just the top guy. But if enemy doesn't want to come here – or you know he has he doesn't want to work with the GMs that Atlanta likes or whatever reason it is like then it becomes a lot more interesting and I think it opens the floor for these other guys like you know uh, Lincoln Riley Joe Brady Arthur Smith those type of guys I, so
2: I feel like um, uh, Cliff Kingsbury's success in Arizona yeah. it could maybe soften you know that stance of Arthur Blank of okay let's let's possibly bring in like a a, a college coach because. Kingsbury, he was completely improving. Yeah, like yep. he he was coming off like being fired at Texas Tech, <laughs> yeah. and uh, I think he, he got the offensive coordinator job. Was it at USC? And mm-hmm. he was about to be the OC, and I think at the last second, the Cardinals wanted to interview him for a head coaching job. Mm-hmm. The head coach at USC said, "Oh no, you can't like go. You're my OC," and then he he just quit on the spot. <laughs> and, you know. That's a baller move. Yeah, look at and you
0: look at his staff. You know, he brought in Vance Joseph, a former NFL head coach, to you know to be the defensive coordinator, yeah. and you know just looking at the staff he has now, he has about five or six guys that has over twenty years of coaching experience. Yeah. So he he was that young, hot head coach, but at the same time, he said, "Look, I need guys that's been here before that know how to handle grown
3: men making millions of dollars."
0: Yeah. And I think
3: yeah. that is right. going to help him in that locker. Room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because what ends up, and I'm glad you said that, what ends up happening is that those college coaches they come in with a certain type of mentality, you know, because they've been working with younger kids, so they're having to, you know, treat them more kind of like children, sort of speak. You know what I mean? No, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. All that shit with them. And so now, when they get onto that next level, they got to learn to turn that ish off, and maybe. You know, a coach, an older coach, be like, hey man, don't don't even trip on
0: that. And, and the, the message and the message that a coach a young college head coach can deliver is way different in a college locker room compared to an NFL locker room. Because if you talk to a 17 to 18 year old, they're not really gonna know much better. They're gonna look at you and say, Okay, whatever he's saying is right, it's the gospel. I need to follow that. <laughs> You're talking to a 28-year-old that's making, you know, 15 million dollars a year and he don't like your message he probably won't tell you straight up your message sucks and i'm not going
2: that way like it's it's mm-hmm.
0: so
2: it's, well, we saw it get stale with jim harbaugh in san francisco like at first it, was, it was great yeah. yeah you know but then eventually it's like his his personality and there were reports in san francisco that you know it completely got stale on those veteran players because you know i don't know if he was trying to treat those vets like children yeah, but he, he was in that college mentality, and I, you know that, that doesn't flow with with a thirty two year old with no. with you know two three children, yeah, who's I, like you know he's like you know what the fuck are you talking to me like I'm a child for? I, I,
0: still, I still believe Harbaugh is a better pro head coach than college.
1: Could be. Um, He's not a great I mean, college coach, certainly. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I and I also still feel that whatever happened in San Francisco was more of the friction between him and the front office yeah. than the players. Yeah, um, I think
1: so. I think you're right.
0: Because I mean, he 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 came in and those those veteran players bought in and they bought in to the point where they had success. They made a Super Bowl. They was literally a play away from winning a Super Bowl. So... I, I'm. I, I get. What, I get what you're saying. There, there was some story that developed from that locker room that you know he kind of rubbed a few of the veteran players the wrong way. Yeah, I, that probably was the case. But I also believe that front office wanted him to stay in his place as a head coach, and he wanted to have a little bit more say. So, especially when it came to the buildup of the roster, and that's
2: where you know the the wires got tangled. Yeah, I I think that's where it went wrong there. But but at the same time, when you get that buy in, like that initial buy in, like, you know, as a new, fresh voice, I don't think, you know, it's too unique. Like, because, you know, Dan Quinn, when he got here, everyone bought in immediately, like, you know, fast and physical. But then I I just feel those college coaches just have that mentality just from the fact that you're working with college kids who are rotating in and out every few years and you're getting new ones every few years. Then you know they keep they keep at it they keep it up but you know it it gets stale when a player is on your team for five six seven years and you're just hearing the same thing over and over again we saw it with Dan Quinn here
1: yeah yeah I agree um,
3: hey and here, here's something else that you got to think about too is that a lot of college coaches they coach with their fear with that fear mentality on their uh, players meaning that you know. Those kids that are in college, you bump them down the list, or you take their starting job away from hell. They got to go back to wherever the hell they from. As opposed on the next level, you talk some shit to somebody in the NFL that's making way more than you. He might just get up and slap the shit out of you. Yeah, you know what I mean. And then they fire you because you made him do that to you because it's
0: worth more. That's that's, it. That's the difference in, with you know talking to a teenager that is on a scholarship that right. can have the scholarship removed and be out of school. Yeah, that
3: mm-hmm. exactly. They instill a lot more fear in those college kids. You know what I mean. So right. they, just, they bite their tongue and do what they got to do. You know. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. And so agree.
3: some coaches that's the only way they know how to coach. You know, especially mm-hmm. on that college level.
1: Yeah. So,
0: so do you so are you are you leaning toward that? Given the veteran status of this roster, do you think the better decision would be for them to go? in that route compared to bringing in a young guy like Lincoln Riley.
3: Man, I go back to what y'all was saying, man. He's got to surround himself with some good veteran coaches that know their role and play it, you know what I'm saying? Not somebody that's trying to secretly get the job, you know what I'm saying? But if they have his back and they, you know what I'm saying, they them veteran voices in the rooms when the defense and the offense breaks up, you know? Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I mean I wouldn't be shocked.
3: Somebody that that know what time it is, that know how to talk to you, how to treat you, you know what I mean? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if like yeah, like I mean, like he could keep, you know, Raheem Morris around like as one of his, you know, coaches because he would have the connection with the players that were here. You know, if he if he doesn't have a a defensive guy in mind that he really loves, it could be Morris, you know. Right. But, but or Jeff thing,
3: Ulbricht, who's played and right, coached, right. who's been on both sides, you know, he immediately has credibility with
0: those. But players. one thing, one thing that college head coach is also going to have to realize, um, when it comes to bringing in the right guy on a defensive side of the ball, especially on the defensive side of the ball, like Sean McVay did, he brought in Wade Phillips. He let Wade do his thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. I'm not touching the defense. I'm not doing anything with the defense. If they fail. I'm still gonna trust Wade Phillips to build him back up. And and I kind of and and it it doesn't necessarily fit the narrative a little bit as far as college head coaches, but go back to that 85 Bears team. And what was the thing that was going on with that Bears team? They were great, but the fact that Ditka didn't necessarily let He didn't mess he, with Buddy Ryan. He didn't, he didn't let Buddy Ryan do his thing. And Buddy was like, get off my back. This is my defense. Let me coach him up. And that, that was an issue that almost, you know, it, it parlayed over the course of the season, and it became almost a bigger story than their Super Bowl.
2: Yeah. Um, but
0: that's the one thing, if, if a guy, a young head coach comes in like that, and if he hands over the reins to the defense to a, a longtime veteran defensive coordinator, he's got to leave that alone. Like, don't, mm-hmm.
1: don't bother. Yeah, yeah. Let, let it All right, I got to read some donations here. Gary Stafford with the $10. Brother, thank you so much for your support, man. We really appreciate you. Um, He says, thanks for the show, guys. Appreciate your time and expertise. We appreciate you too, brother. Thank you. Um, Also from Kevin Wood II with a $4. Again, thank you, brother, for your support. Uh, He's got a question. He said, uh, I wanted to say I appreciate what y'all do. You guys helped me cope with this pathetic franchise. <laughs> right now it is, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to get everyone's thoughts on the draft. So do we go with biggest team need or best player available? And he also says to all my George Bulldogs fans out there, we have a quarterback. His name is JT Daniels. Alright. So yeah, that is that is a, a topic I wanted to get to tonight so this dovetails nicely with that.
2: JT Daniels?
1: Well not no, not JT Daniels. Jesus <laughs> Yes, I totally. Yeah, uh, that's that's who we're taking in the top five. Uh, that's what I was getting. That's what I was getting to. Thank you. But no, I mean, assuming that the draft pick holds or is a similar spot, and Falcons are picking ninth now. For reference, um, is it a quarterback? Assuming they have the one that they like available, or it or should they go more biggest need available, which is probably edge rusher or cornerback, depending on your particular preference. Uh, so. I'll, not, I'll let you get the first crack at this one. If it were you, would you be targeting that quarterback of the future to sit behind Ryan, or are you going defense?
2: Uh, if you're picking that high, I, I, I'd i go with the quarterback, just because it's so rare to have that opportunity. And, you know, this quarterback class is it's pretty good. Like, you know, it, it's not just uh, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence uh, in this class. That So I would i i would go with the quarterback i know it, it, it's painful to burn a top five top ten pick on someone who's not going to make that immediate impact uh, on the team for the next you know two years but you, you know it's just when you have the opportunity to set yourself up for the next decade after matt ryan i would do so but it at the end of the day it completely depends on on the new head coach what yeah. route he wants to go you know if uh, one of those offensive minds comes in and they're like, "All right, like I, I want this is my guy," like you know, I want um, Trey Lance as as my quarterback, then you know you you take Trey Lance. It's just like with Kingsbury, he came in, he had the number one pick. It didn't matter that they took Josh Rosen the year before. Right. Uh, he's like Kyler Murray's my guy. Like you know, set me up with Kyler Murray, and then we'll we'll uh, we'll figure everything out, out from there.
3: -hmm. And that has worked out so much for them, ain't
2: that? (laughs) Yeah. I mean I was
1: I was against it at the time. Like I I trashed it. Yeah, so I was wrong. Speaking
2: of Kyler Murray, how how much do you guys regret the Oakland A's uh, regret (laughs) like letting him play college football? Right. Yeah. Because they drafted him in the top ten of the MLB draft. And you know, if you get dropped it in the top ten, you never like give up on that signing bonus and you know, to go to the MLB. And then he's like, oh, no, I'll just play college football for a year. Just let me do that, and then I'll, I'll go play baseball. And then-
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he wanted to play football, man. I mean, I, I don't blame him. I mean, I, I think baseball is boring. But, hey, to each their own, uh, I think he made the right call. But, uh, yeah, good for him. Good for him for getting what he wanted. But, yeah, I mean, if it, I guess if it's me, like I'm probably in the same boat with Adnan. I mean, it does depend almost entirely on the head coach. If I was the head coach, I would – it's tough. It's a tough choice between, like, Lance and Wilson. Um, I guess at this point, I'm, like, slightly leaning Wilson because we have more tape on him this year. But it's it's a tough call. It depends really on what you want. Um, if you want more of that dual threat style, it's Lance. If you want more of that passer, I mean, Wilson certainly has some mobility. But um, if you want, you know, more of the passing focus, it, it's Wilson. Um so if it's me and the Falcons are in position to get one without having to give up picks, like if they can just draft the guy at their spot without having to trade up, that's not a situation they're probably going to be in again um, without having to give up serious resources. So I, I think you get the quarterback there, and then you you spend the rest of your draft, you know, just trying to shore up the other weaknesses on this team. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked at all if the the team goes full on for the future here. Like, they take that quarterback, they take you know, a top guard, uh, in the second and they take, you know, uh, you know, then they, they focus on defense after that. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they package a lot of those comp picks, you know, they have three fifths, um, two, six, you know, they could package those fifths to probably move up into the late day two, um, to get an extra, you know, day two pick. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they, they kind of go in for, to build an offense, you know, for the future here, just kind of double down on strength you're still going to have Ryan for at least a year, maybe two. So, you know, it's not like adding that offensive lineman in round two is going to hurt you. Like I mean getting that guard, that top tier guard to fill in at left guard. Then you have Hennessy who's hopefully going to be a good center for you. I mean, that could be a great line for the next five to 10 years. Um, They could also totally go the other route and just go all in to fix the defense and try to win now with Ryan. I think that makes sense too. You know, you might be able to choose between like Gregory Rousseau, Uh, edge defender, you could get maybe like Sertan or Caleb Farley at corner uh, early and then go after, you know, safeties or other guys, you know, later. Um, So I, to me, I think the quarterback, like if you can, if you think you can secure your franchise for the next, you know, 10, 15 years with that quarterback pick, I think you just have to do that hundred percent of the time, as much as it pains me with Ryan here. And it's not at all anything to say against Ryan. Um, You know, we're, we're a pro Ryan show here. Um, It's not anything against Ryan um it's just you know he's 37 years old uh, and you got at some point you have to start planning for the future and with a new head coach coming in and a possible top 10 pick you know that it is what it is that's that's not an opportunity you're going to get a lot in theory <laughs> hopefully not an opportunity you're going to get a lot um right. so yeah you guys have any other takes on on what the Falcons should do with that that spot
0: um it, it, the, a lot is going to depend of course where they draft um, because this is a unique draft this year, and um, this is a draft where a lot of their strengths are some of the best positions in the draft. Um, so if they're top 10, and if they have a shot at getting a quarterback, I'll be honest with you, if they, they might need to go ahead and pull that trigger. Um, they're going to have some, some nice capital this year anyway. They're going to have roughly about, what, 10, maybe 11 picks,
1: yeah, that's, we'll
0: see. That's including, that's including the comp pick, So they probably can afford to say, all right, you know what, let's get our quarterback of the future and focus on the defense in round two. Or they can package some of those comp picks and pull off like what they did with Lindstrom and McGarry and get a quarterback and then trade back up into the first round and get a get the top defender that's sitting there waiting for him. You know? So um, this is the I, – I wouldn't fault them for going that way. Um, I also wouldn't fault them, fault them for wanting to take the top defender, um, but again, this... what they may need to be wary of is there's the possibility in that top ten that they may reach for a defender a bit, and yeah. that be a little bit, especially at edge rusher. Um, Russo is the top edge rusher. Uh, Quitty Pay out of Michigan is number two, and I'm not. Quite certain he's a top ten guy.
1: Yeah, he's been having a great season, but I mean his his run defense is like absolutely elite, and he's started to come on as a pass rusher. But yeah, I mean, I don't know if you can. I mean, it's somewhat of a gamble. I mean, it's there's a lot of gambling in the first round this year.
0: I I just I, I just want to I don't I don't like the take that some fans feel that taking a quarterback with the defense being as bad as they are that it's a bad idea because again Green Bay did it this past year and it, to be honest Green Bay has done it twice in franchise history it taken a quarterback and let that quarterback sit for 2 years and then you know let him be ready to go in year 3 yeah. um it with Aaron Rodgers it's possibly it could work out with Jordan Love so if if a franchise like that is willing to do it how come the Falcons can't do it
1: that's the yeah. thing it's not a bad idea. I mean, it's 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 somewhat of a shame. Like you're not doing it if you're trying to win now necessarily because, you know, that player's probably not going to contribute to the to the team. But like it is what it is. Like a future franchise quarterback is always worth a first round pick. Like it's not like the Falcons have a great track record with their first rounders lately either. I mean, it's not like it's been bad, but like you've got Terrell who looks like a hit. You know, last year you had uh, Lindstrom who looks like a hit and McGarry who both look like hits so that's nice um, you know but 2018 uh, with Tack oh, it was 20, no, wait. 2018 with Ridley yeah Ridley was good too uh, but then you've got you know <laughs> Vic and Tack obviously not great picks like they, they haven't had a great track record with those edge guys but this is a new coaching staff and a new GM so everything's on the table um, we won't this will be probably the least we've known going into a draft in terms of their plans that we've ever known. Um, so it'll be a real interesting off season. That's for sure. Um, but we, wait,
3: yeah. Yeah. What well, I, y'all might disagree yeah. with me, but you know, uh, Vic was nice for a hot second. Yeah. That to that, that 2016, we had, we yeah. had that 15, 16 sack year. It was yeah. like, okay, yeah, that was a good pick. And then after that, it just, yeah. It yeah. I
1: mean, honestly, like I think if he had really put his mind to it and kept growing and like adapting as a, because people figured him out after 2016, that, that was the issue. Like, his, his standard stuff, like, it just wasn't going to cut it after teams adjusted. And, like, I think he certainly had the talent to, to continue being, you know, a, at least a, a top edge on the Falcons, if not, you know, a top 15 guy in the league. But, like, I just – it didn't seem like his heart was in it to me. Um, and, you know, not everyone loves playing professional football. I mean, it, it's hard-ass work. I mean, I'm sure you can attest, Keenan. Um, it's a lot of work. Um, and yeah. – some people have other passions. It it just happens.
0: And I, I going back to the quarterback thing, like I, I again, I don't think it's a it's an awful idea at all to get a guy that's your guy that you can be able to build and just let him sit for a little bit. Um
3: Behind know, Matt Ryan too. That's yeah. that was my thing gonna be. That's what I was saying. So I I get it. Um I, I just I
0: really feel I, I really feel uncomfortable with starting a rookie quarterback. And I know the Falcons did it with Matt Ryan. I get it. It was and it worked out. But that's rare to be quite honest with you. Um, he because,
3: also had Michael Turner help and take some of that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, Michael Turner. Yeah. And then of course, Roddy, Roddy, he was, yeah. Roddy was coming into his own too. So mm-hmm. if you you look at certain situations, when you draft a rookie quarterback, most in most cases, your backup quarterback is going to be a serviceable guy. And why is that? Because you don't want to provide a whole lot of competition for that rookie quarterback. You want that rookie quarterback to get on the field and grow on his own. Look at Cincinnati. Yeah. It took Burrow. Who's the backup of a Cincinnati? <laughs> Finley? Brand, Brand, no, Brandon Allen is going to get the start this weekend. And is, to re, that's the case because they want Burrow to grow up and be the guy. So in a situation like that, like – i i don't want to see the falcons put themselves in a situation where they draft a rookie quarterback he has to start year one and the backup is some guy that may not even be in the league in the next year or two so yeah
2: and also in theory if you give the enemy like he has helped successfully you know develop quarterbacks like he did it with pat mahomes and you know pat mahomes is the best player in the nfl he won MVP in his first year starting Yep, he won Super Bowl MVP in his second year starting, and in his third year he may win both. Yep. So, yeah, so yeah, but you, you know, he re- remember he sat behind Alex Smith for a year, and I'm sure if you ask Pat Mahomes himself, he would you know give give credit uh, to Andy Reid and to Eric Bienemy. Like you know, he didn't just do it all by himself. He didn't just like walk into the NFL as just this you know amazing player immediately. You know, I, I'm sure Biondi worked with him a lot in in that uh, year where he was sitting behind Alex Smith.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah
0: and and Daveo, Brian Dabo has has developed Josh Allen up there in Buffalo. You know, um, he's yeah. helped him a lot. And and you know, Josh Allen was a, a MVP candidate. You know, at some point this season. So, um, yeah, I I, I just I, I feel if they if they go that route, I don't think anyone here on this show is going to say, okay, that was a terrible pick to make to get your future franchise quarterback. I think mm-hmm. is it's a logical it's a smart thing to
1: do. Yeah, I, I think so. Um and people need to start getting ready for because it uh it's it's probably gonna happen. And if they don't Father pick time. a quarterback, yeah, it comes Father for us all.
2: Catches up to everyone. It comes
1: for us all. Yeah, unfortunately. Um but yeah, I mean if they don't get that quarterback, they might be trading. Um like if, if one of those quarterbacks is there, uh they might be trading, and that could be very lucrative for the team too. So that's something we didn't talk about, um, but that is another potential option. Uh, and like you know, they could get a bounty from a team like the Bears, the the Patriots. I mean, there's a lot of teams that are really hungry for that quarterback. Um, there's
0: a there's a there's a certain team in the NFC East <laughs> that has a quarterback that they apparently don't like anymore. That may be, you know, worth trading for.
1: What, Dwayne Haskins? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if they want to trade him for cheap, I'd be down. Like they want like a day three pick, you sure. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, I,
2: I was gonna say, there's no way he's talking about Carson Wentz.
0: <laughs> he's a he's a young quarterback who still needs some development, but he's fallen out of favor with the current coaching staff, and it looks like it's heading in a divorce. Yeah, I, I feel you. Andy Dalton I, would be a great. Uh, <laughs> I, <I'm young. laughs>
1: now you're talking my. You're speaking my language now. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Not pray for a guy like Dwayne Haskins yeah. and let him, you know, sit for a year or two behind Matt Ryan. Yeah. I don't
2: but think yeah, I mean, yeah, it also it all depends on the coaching staff. Yeah, like yeah. Sam the, Darnold the, the, the,
1: too. So I mentioned Darnold. Like, if they yeah. decide to move on from Darnold, I, I'm, I guess, the, I guess I'm a little bit more interested in Darnold maybe than Haskins. But we have, we just really I mean, haven't seen much from Haskins. Like, I mean, um, Darnold
2: was looking really good in his rookie year, but you know, he got gaced.
1: Yeah, he got gased. Like I don't like I don't blame anyone for being gaced. So like if I were the Jets, I wouldn't necessarily give up on Darnold, but because they're probably gonna get the first overall pick, they kind of feel like they have to. But like look, you know, I would I would give like a, a, a pick for Darnold probably. Like if they don't get their quarterback early, like why not? You know? Um like bring him in. See what he see what he can do. I mean that's that doesn't seem like the worst thing in the world to me. As long as he's not broken by like playing on the Jets for three seasons, but who knows, man. Uh all right so. the quarterback
3: situation man i'm thinking if it if it ain't trevor lawrence or justin Fields, i wouldn't even do it yeah and i'm just thinking oh. just because yeah. both of them kids are from georgia so how much excitement with that yeah. you know what yeah. i'm saying strike back up in the in, in the whole city and the state or whatever you know and then also too, let his ass sit for a year you yeah. know what i mean mm-hmm. i don't think teams do that quite they don't do that enough anymore you know right. and those quarterbacks, you don't want to throw them out there too early and yeah, yeah. get their ass handed to them because then they're gonna lose confidence and you know, child, You know, yeah. hey, kind of like how Joey Harrington got. You know what oh, I mean? David throw Carr out there too yeah, much, yeah. man. It, it can it mess with them. I yeah. Think, yeah. Let, let them learn behind the MVP for about a year or so. Yeah, I think right. there
2: there is such a long. Oh, I'm sorry, Eric. Go ahead. I keep
0: thinking about David Carr. David Carr in that aspect.
2: Yeah, yeah I was gonna I was gonna say there's a yeah. huge laundry list of quarterbacks that that exactly happened to yeah like you you
0: you you threw that rookie quarterback out there against a makeshift offensive line that led the league
2: in sacks man he was done he was doomed one. that
1: was not an ideal situation and
2: and that that's uh that brings that uh reminds me of josh rosen in arizona like that offensive Mm -hmm. line was absolutely pathetic yeah in his rookie year it was real bad and and you know it's just very unlucky it's very unfortunate circumstances the next year they're you know replacing the guys that brought him in that drafted him and they're drafting kyler murray and then you know that's that's how quickly things change in the nfl yeah
1: yeah and you know you wonder like you know uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens um and like you know if, if the falcons do get their young quarterback and and the 49ers don't this year you know maybe the 49ers want matt ryan next year you know 2022 uh Look, Shannon and Matt Ryan, that was that was magical. Like that might be, you know, a trade you could work out that would make both sides happy. Um, you know, I'd love to see Ryan get a Careful, to that, man, <laughs> the are,
3: they might be pretty
1: damn dangerous. <laughs> exactly. So, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, uh, that I think that would be maybe like a best case scenario because you know Matt Ryan would probably be happy with it. Like he wouldn't get dumped to some trash team. Shannon uh, would be happy, and we could probably save a lot of money and recoup a pick. Uh, not that I necessarily want to see Matt Ryan traded out of here or anything, but it's just, uh, you know, but we'll see what happens. It's going to be a real interesting off season.
2: Um, I remember people talking about, oh yeah, like, uh, Trevor Lawrence, you know, may go back to school if the Jets, <laughs> you know, if the Jets goes zero sixteen. But what happens when the Jets go zero sixteen again next year, and he, yeah. he has no choice but oh, to go? Oh man,
1: that's the long game. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> then it was destined to be. <laughs>
3: yeah, you know, there's nothing to make. You can't escape. Yeah.
1: I'll be man. That's a,
0: that would be a
2: terrible idea for him. Uh, no,
1: he's no, not going to do you, it. You but...
2: do not. You do not give up that earning potential. You yeah. know, to go back to school. Nope, you don't. You just don't.
3: Yeah, he just running his mouth. Bro. He, <laughs> just, he just talking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's
2: mean, easy to talk until the millions get put out in front of you. And yeah. then it's like, all right. Yeah. You talk. Like, you yeah, You're
3: going to go back on campus to eat some Raymond noodles <laughs> at 10 o'clock at night and have study hall in the afternoon and all that shit? No, hell no. You better take your money and go
2: in fairness you know i i think trevor lawrence is uh, is eating a lot better than that in clemson if you know what i mean <laughs>
1: yeah
0: i'm just talking about
3: <laughs> yeah. He's, yeah, he's yeah. College right
1: now. yeah 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 i wouldn't be i wouldn't be surprised if he wants to get up out of there so
2: yeah i mean for sure it's like he, he's done everything that there is to do in, in the college game pretty much yeah like basically
1: yeah uh, all right well at some point we, we're gonna have to talk about this raiders game before it 10 o'clock strikes um Ooh,
2: we
0: play Sunday. No, yeah care. we yeah. do this every week we do
1: this every week yeah before we get to that i just want to remind folks uh if you don't <laughs> mind uh throwing a like at the video that helps other folks find it on youtube so we appreciate that for the algorithms and then if you're not already subscribed hit that subscribe button i will give you a shout out and uh, you'll get notifications when we go live so it's real easy it's real nice it works out for everyone so we appreciate that uh Appreciate you guys tuning in. All right, so now for some Raiders talk. This is actually a fairly evenly matched game. Obviously, the Raiders have a winning record. Statistically, these two teams are game. Yeah, well, statistically, it's it's fairly even. Like the the Raiders score more points slightly. The Falcons have more yardage. The defenses are both really bad. Um, The Falcons are like worse, but. It's, it's interesting if you actually look at the stats to see. I mean, the Raiders are clearly more efficient on both sides of the ball. Like, they don't pile up yards, but they score, so they're like the opposite of Dirk Cutter. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously the Raiders are favored, but um, statistically it's not as big of a mismatch as, like, the Saints game was last week. So, uh, interested to see what you guys think about that matchup. Uh, you know, what do you think about the Falcons' chances of avoiding a— uh, three and eight situation where then we, we totally have to uh go down to the dumps the,
0: what's the line
1: <laughs> what playoffs
0: <laughs> raiders, raiders,
2: by, raiders by three
1: raiders by th- i think it, i think that is the line yeah that's way too low yeah,
2: yeah i mean this, this team almost beat the chiefs last week like yeah. they went toe-to-toe they beat the chiefs earlier this year yeah and they beat the place too
1: yeah that's true
2: I mean they Derek Carr's been so impressive this year. yeah like he's someone I've given him a, a hard time the past few years, but he's really you know he's been super efficient this year and he's really grown into John Gruden's scheme. It was at the point where they were talking about potentially replacing him, but you know they couldn't do that because he was you know making too much money. but this year 19 touchdowns against three interceptions like you can't really ask much more of him. And I think he's absolutely gonna dissect our defense. Like, if yeah. you need a, a fantasy football streamer at quarterback, start Derek <laughs> yeah. Carr this week. Oh
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, this is not a great situation for the Falcons. Julio Jones is clearly hurt. The offense is just not the same without him playing. Um, the Raiders are certainly no slouches on offense. Um, you know, they like I said, they've been very efficient. They haven't necessarily piled it up in terms of yardage. Um, But right now they're the NFL's best third down offense. Um, They're converting over 50% of their third down attempts. Uh, Derek Carr, like I said, has been very efficient. Uh, The run game has been good, but Josh Jacobs back healthy. So like it offensively, they're quite good. Um, And then defensively, like they're bad, but like the Falcons are worse. So, (laughs) I mean, like the the Falcons are probably going to be able to move the ball better than they did against the Saints. But like still, like it's not like the Falcons. I'm not going
2: to lie to you guys like I would rest Tulio and just put all my chips into that Saints game next week because at this point, I I just want to win that game. Yeah, yeah. uh, I just want to win that game, and then everything else, whatever happens, happens. Like, I'm over it.
1: Yeah. I mean, in in the grand scheme, like – yeah, I mean, this is the game that would probably, like, really eliminate them from the playoffs, too. So, like, they have to basically treat every game like a must-win to keep this magical dream of playoffs alive, Uh which is a dream at this point. Like, it, it it's not.
0: Eliminated. It's a dream. They are eliminated against Dallas. This is B. <laughs> <laughs> you are out of the playoffs against Dallas. Oh, my God. Was, Week two, it was over. Well, I don't like this matchup. Yeah,
1: I don't like it either. I mean, it, it, yeah, it's... It's not like great.
0: That, um, they're getting, they're getting a Raiders team like Adam pointed out that has played the best team in the league, tough. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they lost to the Chiefs last week. How many teams has really given the Chiefs a, a game like that, twice in one season? Yeah. Like this is, this is not the old Raiders team. Yeah. This is a new. This is a Raiders team that's going to punch you in the mouth, and they're going to play you tough.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's not looking great. Like, I mean, I think I think we would uh, – would anyone pick the Falcons in this matchup? Is anyone no. going to be bold enough?
2: Yeah. No. Absolutely. No. Uh, yeah, I can't wait for them to line up Henry Ruggs one-on-one against Isaiah Oliver in this game.
1: No,
0: I, <laughs> no they're going to line
2: up Aguilar.
0: Aguilar is going to look like a damn star against this secondary
2: man. Bro, <laughs> I, I still I still blame Aguilar for Dan Quinn being here. For as long as he was last year, <laughs> because if we're zero and eight at the bye week, there is no justification for keeping Dan Quinn, none at all. And the only reason we won one of those games last year is because Aguilor had that egregious drop in week two.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't love this matchup, man. I think, I think this is a Raiders team that has a different attitude, and I think they have a chip on their shoulder. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially after last week, they should. I, to be quite honest with you, they probably should have won that game. Um, yeah. But Jonathan Ains had a brain fart on <laughs> the final drive, and it
2: cost him the game. Yeah, it cost me my fantasy matchup, too. <laughs> that,
1: Travis pick. that Travis Dude, Kelsey, Kelsey pick has been clutch for me oh this God. year. Yeah, yeah I,
2: I lost by, like, five, and, you know, I lost because of that Travis Kelsey touchdown.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. Um, MVP in like, fantasy, Travis Kelsey, man, I tell you. Right, he's been a I this,
0: yeah, this is the team that I think offensively is – man it's going to give them a lot of problems especially with the inability to be able to rush the passer yeah um defensively the numbers don't look great but from what i've seen you know them playing the chiefs twice this year they're a physical bunch and yes the chiefs won last week yes the chiefs were still able to put up what 30 something points but the Raiders have shown in a couple games against Kansas City that, you know, they can be physical. They can play their scheme with the Chiefs and not, you know, it, it's, it was still a good Chiefs offense, but it wasn't that, oh, my God, this is an offense that's killing everybody. Right, right. They, they, they were bottled up a little bit in both games. They were able to get to, to Mahomes and kind of affect
2: that offense a little bit. I They're the only team that's intercepted Mahomes this year, and they yeah. did it in two separate games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, i just yeah i don't love this matchup man it's, no. it's not
0: one, and it's even worse with julio being questionable it's even worse with the falcons not having much of a run game because they're going to need the run game in this one um to keep that raiders offense off the field uh yeah i this is not gonna be good
1: yeah yeah it's interesting uh yeah i agree i mean i i wouldn't be surprised if the falcons lose this game um like, they just haven't been impressive. Like, I mean, like, look, they, they beat up on a bunch of bad teams, win three, like which is nice. Like, it's good for them to win some games against bad teams. They weren't doing that early in the year. Um,
2: uh, it's not good for the tank.
1: It's not good for the tank, obviously. But, like, look, like, they're not playing cupcakes anymore. Like, the, what, the worst team they have left in their schedule is the Chargers, and even that.
2: Oh, like, Justin Herbert. Yeah, good he's going to roast he's the good. secondary. Good. So,
1: like... Like I mean, it's gonna—they're gonna win some more games, but like it's—it's it's not gonna. They? I think they'll win at least one more. Come on.
0: Ah uh, man, I, I don't know, man.
1: I mean, I wouldn't be like if they go three—if they go three and thirteen, they're getting that top probably four pick. So hey, you know we could yeah. talk about you know whether that's good or not, but <laughs> I, I will
2: never in my life pick the Saints to beat us. So never, of course, yeah. of course we're winning that top, game. Yeah. yeah, we're winning that game for for certain. Yeah, One, take it to the bank. Bet your house on us beating the Saints next week.
1: Yes, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Don't do that. But you know, <laughs> feel like you know, inspired. But like, don't actually bet money on it because I, I don't know how safe that's gonna be. Oh yeah,
2: that'll be that would be, be not smart. Trouble. But
1: yeah, um, yeah. It it'll be. This is gonna be a tough game. Um, you know, we'll we'll see what the Falcons can do. Um, well, you know, it's really up to Cutter. Like the Raiders aren't a good defense. So I mean, they're. they're they have some stats where they're okay. Uh, but like they're really bad on third down. They're they allow more points than the Falcons. Uh it's only by point one points per game, but they do allow more points than the Falcons, very slightly. Um, so like it it's uh you know, it's gonna be a tough one, but it's not impossible, obviously, for the Falcons to win. I think I mean I think they, they match up better with the Raiders than they did with the Saints, but um, you know, we'll we'll see how they play on Sunday. Uh so with that being said, we have one final donation from Kevin Wood, the second, uh, for a dollar. Thank you for your support, brother. Uh asking the question, Tony Gonzalez for general manager.
2: I don't know about that. I love Tony, but I, I don't know about that. I don't that. think he has any
1: experience.
2: Who?
1: Tony Gonzalez. Tony. I mean, I don't think he has any personnel experience. I mean he's been mm-hmm. a player. Maybe it's Look, if Tony wants to be like our tight ends coach, hell yeah, brother, sign me up. But like, uh, next, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think we're gonna, I don't think we're gonna work that one in. Uh, sorry, brother, can't, uh, can't get on board with that.
2: Yeah, I mean, we have to, we have to make Mike Nolan the head coach in general <laughs> for next year. Give him, give him full, full, uh, oh, Bill O'Brien authority.
1: Yeah, no, let's not do that. Definitely not. Uh, All right. Would that be
2: enough to? uh, Would that be enough to just say? All right, like I'm. Pack it in. uh, I'm 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 becoming.
1: uh, This team is too. This team is is too painful. I'm going to become a Chargers fan. It'll be less painful. That's that's when we go to that. So. (laughs) Yeah. No. uh, Please no. Um, All right. We've gone really late because I was delayed getting the show started. So I appreciate you guys' patience uh, with that. Hopefully that won't be a problem anymore. Um, Thanks Google for the heads up on Hangouts no longer being a thing. So, uh, otherwise, we appreciate you guys for tuning in, for hanging out. Like I said, if you don't mind throwing a like at the video, that'll help other people find the show. We appreciate that. And if you're not already subscribed, uh, hit that subscribe button and you'll get notifications when we go live and all that good stuff. Um, otherwise, guys, let me kick it over to my co host this evening. Uh, Keenan Forney is on Twitter at K40.65F65Performance on Instagram. Uh, he had to head off a little bit early. Uh, so we appreciate Keenan for showing up. Definitely check out his Twitter and his Instagram. If you're a young offensive lineman in that uh, Georgia Atlanta area looking for some help on your technique, hit up, hit him up. Uh, he will get you set up and, and get you working um, on the right things. So we we, uh, we really appreciate Keenan's contributions to the show as well. Also with us tonight, uh, Eric Robinson. He's on Twitter, at underscore Eric, underscore Robinson. Eric, anything you want to plug here tonight?
0: Uh. Yeah, that Raiders preview is gonna be done at some point before the Sunday. Uh I'm not quite sure exactly when. There's a holiday tomorrow. There so, is, yes. Uh yeah. But be on the lookout for that. Um yeah, that's about it. That's all I have.
1: Cool, cool. All right. Also with us tonight, Adnan Ikic. She's on Twitter at say which way. Adnan, anything you would like to plug for the good people?
2: Uh, the what if we win slash lose article which is now a de facto draft standings article um that's gonna be ready to roll on saturday and uh, i wish everyone a happy and healthy thanksgiving tomorrow absolutely
1: yep yep i want to echo that for sure happy thanksgiving guys stay safe out there uh you know make sure you let your family know you love them but do it in a safe and uh, socially distanced manner if at all possible
2: yeah, enjoy the Lions, Texans, and the uh, football team and Cowboys <laughs> oh, tomorrow, guys. Yeah,
1: we really, we really lucked out oh, with that oh, slate.
0: Quick taste, give and takes.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah.
0: Turkey is disgusting. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> turkey. Never right. have too much sweet potato pie, right? Or yams. Mac and cheese is elite. Mac yes. and cheese is elite. It that was- is the definite, absolutely. You have to have that, man. Yeah. Um And what else?
1: I'm a big green bean casserole stan. Um that's my thing. I just really like green bean. But you have to make homemade onions. You can't buy like the little ones in a can. You got to like fry them yourself, get them all nice and seasoned. It's pretty dank then. It's pretty dank then.
2: Uh, uh, yeah. as far as desserts go, I'm a big fan of uh pecan pie. Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm nope. a big car- yeah. I'm a big nope. carrot cake guy too. I don't nope. know if that's like pie. traditionally.
2: Yeah, I'm not a fan of pumpkin pie either. Yeah,
1: pumpkin pie is, you know, it's mediocre. Oh. And raisins do not belong in a potato salad, okay? Yeah, no, I don't know, I don't know what who came hell? up with that. I don't know who came up with that, but I'm not a big fan. Uh, no, yeah, so yeah, there's there's the Thanksgiving takes. You guys can can add us with yours uh, at the show at alcoholic Lab with your Thanksgiving takes. Uh, also, give us a follow on Twitter if you haven't already. Uh, we're we're approaching 1,000 followers on Twitter, so if you want to help get us over the the top there, we appreciate that too. Um, but yeah, guys, I am. Kevin Knight, at call Kevin on Twitter. Uh, I'll have some stuff uh, tomorrow coming out, um, like breaking down the statistics I was talking about tonight uh, for this upcoming game. I'll have some draft stuff coming this weekend, uh, that sort of thing. So in the meantime, guys, enjoy your Thanksgiving. Like we said, have a safe, happy, and healthy time with your family. And uh, try to enjoy those trash games. Uh, it's, it's, it's football. It's Thanksgiving. You know, it'll be fine for the most part. But uh, we will see you on Sunday after the game for that post-game show. Uh, and no matter what happens, we'll be here. So <laughs> we'll see you guys then. Have a great night uh, for everyone here. Uh, we appreciate you all. Uh, appreciate all your support. Uh, and we will talk to you soon, all right? Have a good one, guys.